You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Hey, would you turn with me to Luke chapter 5? We're going to spend a majority of our time this morning in Luke chapter 5. That's Luke chapter 5. We're going to be continuing our series titled The Gospel of Luke. Over the past couple weeks, you know, I've, I've, I've expressed that I'm a topical preacher. What that means is I like to pick a topic and then go all over Scripture just to prove the fact that all of Scripture relates to different events and especially current events that we're dealing with today. Amen, church? The Bible has something to speak, not just about one area of life, but all of life. And so over the past couple weeks, so we've kind of switched things up, and we've done what's called expository sermons, where we spend a majority of our time at one scripture passage. It makes it easier, so not everybody's, you know, flipping around, and especially if you're kind of new with the Word of God, figuring out where things are, it makes that component of things a little bit easier. So this morning, we're continuing the pattern by spending a majority of our time in Luke chapter 5. When I was younger, I attended the University of Valley Forge um, over in Phoenixville, PA, and that's where I went to college. That's where I learned, you know, the pastoral things that pastors learn. And one of the, the challenges that I had to deal with while I was in college is I was in college in, in Phoenixville, and my honey that I was engaged to was back in Pittsburgh. And I remember frequent trips on the weekend on the lovely, magnificent, wonderful BA Turnpike. And I remember there were different times where, you know, I wanted to surprise Kylie and pull into the driveway, text and say, hey, look outside, and there I am. And I wanted to be her knight in shining armor, but the dragon that I had to slay was the PA Turnpike. And so I still, to this day, a a special part of my heart still resents the PA Turnpike. When Kyle and I have to go back to Pittsburgh to to visit with family, um, there's a part of me that dies a little bit, just not looking forward to that trip because it's so monotonous. Am I right, church? It's just so monotonous. You, you set your speed dial in to cruise control so that you can get in the slow lane to find somebody whose cruise control is different than yours, and then you adjust, and then it's back on to cruise control, and there's almost, I remember there were frequent times where I would come to a place on the turnpike where it was like I was hypnotized, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, the trip's halfway over. Does anybody know what this feeling is like? And I just want to say, it's not because I was texting either, driving. And so I remember there were just different times on that long journey of the PA Turnpike to where it's almost like you would, you would consciously zone out, where you were in the moment, everything was good, and you're just on your journey. But it's almost like you're hypnotized, and you check out, and if there was a new house that went up next to the Turnpike, I didn't even notice it. I am just going straight for four and a half hours. Four if I make good timing. Anyways, but it was the routine of it all. I went through this routine, and because of my routine, there was nothing special. It was business as is. What does this have to do with anything this morning? I feel like there's those who are in life right now, and it's on cruise control. 
and there's nothing different happening. There's nothing special happening in their life. They're just on cruise control. Same routine, day in, day out. And it's almost like they're hypnotized. They're in this fog of just going through the routine. Parents, you know what this is like. You have your morning routine and your breakfast. Get the kids out the door to school. Go to work. Come home. Homework. Few house chores. Dinner. Bed. Hit the repeat button the next day. And we're stuck in this cycle of being hypnotized. And today... I want to talk to you about how Jesus took somebody out of the life cycle, how he broke it, because I believe that Jesus is in the business of breaking these routines and cycles. Can I hear an amen this morning? Jesus is in the business of coming into your life where you might have this set routine and he breaks it. I want to talk about that this morning in Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11. And my hope and my prayer is that you'd allow Jesus to break the cycle of routine in your life. Because we often say it here as a church, if you're bored as a Christian, you're not doing it right. I'm going to be sharing with you four action steps that could change your life. But first, Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake... The people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little bit from the shore. Then he sat down and taught people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boat so full that the boats began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning we would not just be readers of the, of the word, but we would be doers. Help us, Lord, to understand that this is not a history book, but this is the word of God that calls us into action. I pray that that seed of understanding would settle in our hearts and bring forth a harvest of action. We ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said? Oh, come on. And everybody shouted? Amen. Amen. Follow me, Jesus says. It's a call to action that would forever change Peter's life. All of us have these moments in our life where the next decision that we make will change the trajectory of our lives. It only takes a few seconds of reflection to understand this principle of the decisions that we make impact the rest of our lives. It starts in grade school, standing up to the school bully, right? Anybody ever have that moment? where it's your call to action, I either stand up for myself and begin a pattern of boldness, or I just kind of stay back and I don't get in a fight. And so it begins as kids, and then for me, I remember a defining moment was when I was at my dad's church, I'm the son of a preacher, and I remember I'm, I'm at my dad's church, and I'm getting ready to play the guitar in worship, and there was this beautiful 
beautiful creation that walked in the back of the sanctuary. And I felt a call to action. I felt it in my heart. And I remember this beautiful blonde girl walking in and I said, yes, Lord. I receive it. Come on, I'm not stupid, man. And here we are, that beautiful, blonde, purple-haired today girl, and I married 15 laters, 15 years later with two gorgeous little girls. That action changed my life. That action step to talk to that girl changed my life. On a less serious note, every hunter in the room knows the consequences of this decision. I'll be holding group therapy after the service today. It's that one split second that is the defining factor between a beautiful wall mount or weeks without sleep. Saying, I should have taken the shot. Can I get a witness? My point is, is that action has major consequences and so does inaction. They both carry serious consequences. Today I want to share with you four action steps that could change your life. And I intentionally say could because the responsibility of action is on you. But if you choose to not act on these four principles of Christianity, then be warned that inaction has serious consequences as well. Often it is a life full of regret. Four action steps that could change your life. Action step number one, nothing fancy about it, straight to the point, listen to the word of God. Listen to the word of God. Luke chapter 5 verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. Have you ever heard something but not listened to it? Some of you are pointing at your spouse, and that is inappropriate. (laughs) Have you ever heard something and not listened to it? There's a crowd gathered around Jesus, listening to the word of God, wanting to listen to what God would have to say. My wife, she could easily tell you a, a plethora, pull from a plethora of stories where I sat there and we had a conversation I know that the conversation happened because she walked away frustrated from it. But at some point in time, I was hearing what she was saying. I was not listening to what she was saying. Have you ever experienced this moment? Every husband who is shaking his head, no, you're a liar. I don't know why men are cursed with this inability where we are sitting there and we're talking and having a conversation, and I can't remember anything that happened during that conversation, and that's where I say, honey, you need to be like Jesus. Give me grace. You can hear something and not listen to it. You want to change your life? Show up on Sunday's posture to listen to the word of God and not just hear it. 
We live in an entertainment-driven culture that bases their church attendance by how entertained was I rather than what meat from the word did I get. That's wrong. You can show up to a Sunday service and hear the word of God, but because we postured ourselves to be entertained by it rather than changed by it, come on, somebody. You can miss the whole point. You can miss the whole plan that God has for you and that moment of inaction. You can miss it. If you and I show up on Sunday mornings posturing our heart, the opposite of what this crowd did surrounding Jesus, they surrounded, and the word of God says that they were listening to him. If you and I show up and we surround, we gather around Jesus, and we hear about him, but we don't listen to him, you and I walk out those doors the same, but God has something better for you, friend. Don't just be entertained by the word of God. Be changed by the word of God. How do I do that, Pastor? Listen, don't just hear it, listen. Action step number two that could change your life, test the word of God, test it. Well, pastor, I don't believe in that. Okay, test it. Simon answered, master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. You have to put yourself in Peter's shoes for a moment. Can you do that? Any fishermen in the house today? Two of you. There's more than two of you. (laughs) My goodness. You have to put yourself in Peter's shoes. He is a dream job professional fisherman. I'm just kidding. I have a dream job being your pastor. Don't hold that over me. Thank you. (laughs) He has this job. He's a professional fisherman. If anybody knows how to fish, it's a fisherman. He makes his living off of knowing where the fish are. He knows that the best time to catch fish during this moment in time, during this season, during this climate is at night. He says, Master, We've been fishing during prime time. We've been fishing when, when everybody knows this is the time to fish. We've worked. I, I, I'm, I, this is what I do for a living. But because you say so, and that's the defining moment in this passage, what if Peter would have said no? What if he would have had inaction in this moment? Imagine what he would have missed out on. Friend, what are you missing out on today that God wants to give to you, but there's inaction lingering? That's prohibiting you from experiencing the next part of God's plan for your life. Jesus asks Simon Peter to fish during a time when we could expect the least amount of fish. It didn't make sense to Peter. And can I be honest this morning? God's plan isn't always going to make sense to you. But let's make sure that we're not putting God on a seat of judgment. And by that, I mean where we judge him. And we say, Lord, because you didn't explain to me this part of the plan, I can't move forward with it. That's not living by faith. Faith is taking the next step, believing that God is going to meet you there. It's not holding God at arm's length and saying, you prove to me before I act. No, 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 no. It's the response that Peter had. Lord, this doesn't make sense to me, but because you're saying it, I will. In many ways, we could say that Jesus is calling Peter to a place of faith, trust, 
and humility all at the same time. Faith, trust, and humility all at once. That's the place that Peter is being called to. And I also want to point out this, that before the miracle was experienced, obedience was required. Before the miracle was ever experienced, the prerequisite was obedience. If you want to experience the miracles and the workings of God in your life, obedience is the prerequisite. And by the way, partial obedience is still disobedience. Imagine if he would have put half of the net in. Sermon for another day. Can you imagine what Peter would have missed out on in life if he would have filled up with pride and said, Master, you're a great guy, but don't you think I know what I'm doing? Don't you think I know how to fish? Imagine what he would have missed out in his life if he would have had pride and attitude swell up within him. Or if Peter just would have been flat out disobedient and pretended like he didn't hear Jesus. Your kids have done that to you. Don't go over there. I can't hear you. I know you heard me because your step hesitated. I wonder how many of us are missing out with an encounter with God because we haven't had the same response as, as Peter because you said it. I'm going to do it. Sometimes experiencing Jesus is just as simple as saying, God, I don't understand it, but I don't have to because you do. Sometimes experiencing Jesus in your life is just as simple as saying, in this moment, I'm not going to require that God explain his will to me. But I'm going to move forward trusting that I'll learn along the way. And I also want to say this. Peter finds success and proof in Jesus Christ by obeying the word of God. If you want to find success, if you want to find wholeness in your life, obey the word of God. And that hasn't changed in 2,000 years since Christ's death and resurrection. Amen, church? We still find out that Jesus was and is who he said he was and is by obeying him and taking him at his word. You're more than welcome today to obey what I'm saying. You have that freedom. But be warned that there are severe consequences to inaction. Action step number three that could change your life. Confess the sin that separates us from God. Recognize and confess the sin that each and every one of us have that separates us from God. Luke chapter 5, verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Peter is called to walk by faith. Peter obeys. He experiences a miracle. He's reminded that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh. This is a crazy occurrence. This is incredible. And yet, Peter's response isn't jumping up and down and saying, you are Lord, you are Messiah. It's not celebration, it's rejection. His immediate response to God performing a miracle is get away from me. He's aware of God's holiness and acutely aware of his sin. 
Peter's reminded that only Jesus is the Son of is the Son of God, and yet his immediate reaction is one almost full of shame. His response is to ask Jesus to go away rather than embracing the Son of God. He requests to distance himself. Jesus hasn't done anything to Peter other than reveal his divinity. But Peter deals with something that shows his humanity, something that we all must deal with. Nothing makes a sinner more uncomfortable than being in the presence of a holy God. Nothing makes a sinner more uncomfortable than being in the presence of a holy God. That's why I could stand here this morning and preach a sermon about sunshine, rainbows, and God's blessing over your life. And yet there will still be those who walk out of here and reject the church and reject it all. Why? Because when they were in the presence of God, come on somebody, they were aware that there was something in them that God does not embrace. He takes it from us. But they're acutely aware of their sin and His holiness. But there's another beautiful fact in this interaction. Are you ready for this? Jesus doesn't deal with sinners from a distance. Jesus deals with our sin personally and closely. And the reason why you and I feel shame, feel this kind of gross feeling in the presence of a holy God when there's sin in our life is because Jesus is that close to you. Come on, somebody. He's a God who is near to us. He's right there with Peter. And he doesn't shun Peter. He still embraces Peter. The only way that a sinner can come to know God is by confessing our sin and embracing his holiness. It's the only way that you and I, if you and I want to live changed lives, we've got to recognize our sin so that we can also recognize the need for redemption. But here's my concern, church. We live in a generation that doesn't, we're not just talking about acknowledging sin. We're saying that sin doesn't exist. How do I know that I need redemption if Somebody, if the word of God, if I don't listen to the portion that points out the fact that I need redemption, how do I know that I need redemption if we're not willing to even talk about sin? Come on, somebody. Speak truth and love and grace, absolutely. But you and I, there's never going to come a point in time in our relationship with Jesus where we're not called to speak truth. And again, there's a huge component here to speaking truth and love and grace and mercy. But love and grace does not mean that we don't give people the truth. Amen? Redemption is at the heartbeat of this. Action step number four that could change your life. Follow Jesus with all that you have and all that you are. I mean, commit yourself to this cause. I believe that this scripture teaches us this point. There's a drastic difference between those who call themselves Christians and those who follow Christ. Luke chapter 5, verses 10 through 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now you will fish for people. So they pulled their boat up on shore and left everything and followed him. 
In this moment, Jesus invites Peter to follow him. The moment that you start following Jesus, you're embarking on a journey called a changed life. Worship team, would you come? Jesus is inviting Peter to become something bigger than himself. He's inviting Peter to become like him. He's inviting Peter into real relationship with God. And the thing that is so beautiful about this, this invitation is that just as Jesus calls Peter to something, he calls Peter out of something. Simultaneously, he calls Peter to something, and he's calling Peter out of something. Well, pastor, what is he calling Peter out of? The mundane of the everyday. He's calling Peter not only out of his sin, but he's calling Peter out of routine. Jesus pulls Peter out of the everyday cycle of life, proving the point that there is more to life than making a living. At this point in Peter's life, he was through his formal education, and he's at the place where the rest of his life, this is the snapshot of the rest of his life. You go fishing, you take them to market, you sell, you provide, hit the repeat button. But then Jesus steps into this cycle and shatters it and says, follow me. By Peter accepting the invitation, he teaches us the fact, this fact about humility. That there's more to life than making a living, and we are not satisfied with the cycle of making a living. Everything about our culture right now is all about making the most, setting yourself up for retirement, and then dying fat and happy. The American dream. But there's a problem with this that we're not teaching one another. There's a sin problem in us and God has bigger plans and he wants to deal with that so that we can move on to his bigger plans. And again, I'm not shaming anybody who, who has worked hard to make a good living and who has worked hard for retirement. Those things are important. The, the Bible, I've preached too many sermons about good work ethic and, and being reasonable with finances to get into that today. But the point still stands that there's more to life than making a living. There's more to life than working ourselves up to retirement so that we can kick back and relax and that's it. God's called us to more. And thank God, thank God, because if you and I were here on this earth and our sole purpose was to gather up as much as we could and die with as much as we could, that's a curse. That's not living, that's existing. But God calls us to more. We need pulled out of the cycle that our culture is in right now. Our culture is in a dangerous cycle. It's where you wake up, you discover what takes you off the most. Am I being honest? Guess what this political party did while you were asleep? Well, let me tell you. And then you walk around the whole day angry and treating another human being, as soon as they tell you their political response that is different than yours, you're like, you're the enemy. And there goes compassion. And then we're just in this cycle of not only making a living, but being angry while we're doing it. Praise God. And what concerns my heart the most is, you know who's in this cycle right now? The church. 
The church is in this cycle. Walking around angry all the time. Listen, I get it. I experience those moments. What's happening in our culture is evil and sinful and wrong. But friend, if the only spiritual fruit you're bearing is anger and rage, you've cut yourself off from the living vine. God has more, friend. Come on, somebody. God has more. He has more for you. He has better for you. And what should your response be? God, I don't get what's happening right now in our world. I don't get what's happening in our culture. I don't understand all of this. But because you've called me to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, because you said it, I will. What's incredible about this story is it's not a story detached from us. This is a story of what it means to become a Christian. That we're going about our life and then the Son of God, we have an encounter with Him. And out of that encounter, we're aware of our sin. And then out of that recognition of sin, we're called to repentance. And then we're called to follow in a new life and in a new way. And just like that, we're broken out of the cycle. But friend, these are all action steps that we're called to. And inaction carries consequences. Would you stand with me? Jesus reveals himself. We encounter him with the reality that he is real and we're forever changed. But here's another secret. Jesus is using the miracle of fish as an illustration. It was never about the fish. Jesus' point, I'm going to cast the net of truth out into the world and I'm going to capture the hearts of man. Will you do it with me, Peter? Will you come cast the net out into the world? And rather than fish, Peter, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna bring in man to the Father. And he's taking what Peter is familiar with, and he'll take what you're familiar with, and he'll call you to do the same. Cast the net into your workplace. Cast the net into your family. Cast the net at the grocery store, at the restaurant. Cast the net to your neighbor. Friend, I'm telling you, don't sign up for a missions trip when you haven't witnessed to your neighbors. God's called us to be missionaries here. How are we going to effectively share the gospel in another country when our neighbor is still heading to hell? But he has more. And he's calling us this morning as a church to break the cycle. So I want to ask you this. To what degree are you following Jesus this morning? Do you ever find yourself in that place getting back into the cycle? Because here's the irony in this story is by this point in time, the disciples had experienced the miracles of Jesus, worked with Jesus, and then returned back to being fishermen. There's a couple times, little known fact, there's a couple times that Jesus calls them out of that. Did you know that? There's a couple times where they return to their, their former ways and Jesus calls them out of that and says, follow me. It's actually different accounts. And here's the most beautiful thing about this is no matter how many times you and I fall into the cycle, he still pulls us out. No matter how many times you and I return to our former way, it's like, God, I, I thought I was done with this. He still says, come on, Peter. Follow me. Cast your net 
let's go through this again until you get it. To what degree are you following Jesus today? And if you say, Pastor, I'm all in, baby. All four of these things, man, I am all in. Then where are you casting your net? Because I believe that Jesus is posturing our church in such a way, mark my words, that this year, heading into next year, C3 will be a church that throws nets into the world, that throws nets into Lehigh Valley, that throws nets into Berks County, that throws nets to our state. This year and the next year is going to be a year where we begin to throw out our nets and who God brings in here, it's going to be incredible. But here's what all of this is hinged on. Jesus is currently asking you and he's currently asking me to cast the net to the other side, to places that don't make sense. What is your response? Are you testing him? Or is your response, it doesn't make sense, but because you said it, I will. Who in your life is Christ calling you to right now, in this moment, to cast your net out to? And before we close this morning service, please help me out, church. I want to challenge you, just think of one. Just go after one. You might be ambitious right now and say, Pastor, I'm going to throw the net out to my whole workplace. Great, do that, but also focus on one. Who's the one that God is putting on your heart? And as he begins to impress that person on your heart, it demands a response. What is your response? I want you to think about that as we go through this worship team. And would you do something with me? Would you begin to pray for that one? Would you do this? Close your eyes with me. I want you to picture that one person. Who's the one person in your life that might know, not know Christ? Maybe they did at a certain point in time, but they've walked away. Who's the one that Jesus is calling you to cast your net out to? Who's the one? And if your response is, Lord, I can't believe it's that person, then that's probably the right one. And so what is your response? And if your response right here, right now in that moment is, Lord, it doesn't make sense, but because you said it, I will cast the net of the gospel of truth. I will make it a point this week to have a conversation about Jesus with them. If that's your response, would you just begin to lift up your hand in this place? And what that hand represents is we're giving that person to God right here, right now, recognizing that you and I cannot save anybody, but we know the one who can, and we can lead others to him. And as we sing this next worship song, would you just begin to continue to give God that one, begin to pray over it. Maybe it's a relative, maybe it's a son, a daughter that has been wayward. Maybe there's a prodigal son and daughter in your life. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Turn on the porch light. The prodigal sons and daughters are going to come home. What is your response, church? If it's yes, Lord, I will. Then keep those hands raised and just begin to continue to give it to God. Worship team, would you lead us? And let's believe that this week, that this week, there's going to be those who get caught up in the nets that God has given us.
about the rest of this week. Lord, help us to cast our nets out into the world. And God, I just pray that there would be so many hearts of man that come back in to know you. That Lord, it would sink the church. That it would begin to just fill this place, God, with lost souls so that they can come to be found. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody here today that says, you know what, Pastor, one of those four things I need to work on. Maybe I hear the word of God, but God has called me to really listen in. Lord, maybe it's just having a, an obedient heart that some of us need to work on this morning. Whatever it is, whatever area you're calling us to, help us, God, to have the response of Peter. Lord, it doesn't make sense to me, but because you're calling me to it, I therefore will do it. Help us to walk in obedience. And Lord, again, I pray for opportunity after opportunity to cast the net of the gospel of truth out into a lost world. And Lord, until we meet again, gathered here together as your church, help us to represent in our life, in our doctrine, in our action, the love of a Savior. Now, Lord, would you go with us, lead us, guide us into all truth, we ask in Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody shouted. Come on, if you believe God's going to do something this week, would you just give him a shout of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. As you go with the Lord, he's going with you. We'll see you Wednesday. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at C3Lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.